Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. Our conversation today will recap the week that was with a tilt towards fixed income markets as my guests will also cover an outlook for rates. We'll talk about challenges facing fixed income investors, how to think about positioning within the asset class, and of course, we'll spend some time on what to think about in the week ahead. Uh, Joining us for the conversation this morning, glad to welcome back Leslie Falconio, Senior Fixed Income strategist americas with the ubs chief investment office so leslie welcome back good morning and looking forward to our conversation good morning thank you dan so leslie perhaps beginning with reflections on the week that was i know it was fairly tumultuous in the equity markets concerns in eastern europe though can you speak about leslie how fixed income markets performed and the factors that drove activity well i mean you know you really hit the nail on the head in terms of to volatility you know interest rate volatility you know, it's hit a 20, 21-month high. And although we came into the year expecting volatility within the interest rate market, just with, with the assumption and the expectation that the Fed would shift sentiment, obviously it's shifted a bit more, a bit quicker than what the market was anticipating and what we were anticipating. And when you sort of overlay that with the geopolitical risk that you had mentioned, you know, we've, had, we've seen a tremendous amount of volatility this week. However, with that said, you know, given the underperformance that we've had within fixed income throughout the course of the year, we've had volatility, but we're starting to see sort of these pockets of stability after winding so much. And I think that, you know, the key is here, and, and we wrote this too in, in our in our January films, you know, we wrote that, you know, even though the, the, the sentiment or the, the rule of thumb has a tendency to be when interest rates rise, you know, that's good because the economy is doing better then the equity market is doing better. So therefore, you know, risk assets should be doing better because a rising rate environment is one that is indicating strong growth. And mo- most of the time that is true. However, this year we entered at such tight spreads historically than what we've seen in quite some time in the fixed income side, combined with the fact that what is a driver and what is always a driver is how quickly those interest rates the interest rate rise occurs. So in other words, when you have moving from 150 10-year yield at the end of 21 to a 206 10-year yield within a matter of five weeks, then the headwind is just too strong for, the, for for fixed income to actually keep up. So that's why we've seen a decent amount of spread widening this year. Leslie, maybe running with rates for a few moments, you just brought that up and you did write about your outlook for rates in the most recent fixed income strategist publication, which is titled <laughs> Turning the Page. By the way, that is now available up on UBS.com forward slash CIO for our listeners, our clients. But reflecting back on this week, Leslie, I recall the 10-year, it did breach 2%, somewhat symbolic because we hadn't really seen that level since the start of the pandemic a couple of years ago. So can you speak to your outlook for rates at this time, Leslie? Yeah, I mean, it was our expectation for, you know, 10-year Treasury yields to break that 2% um, within the within the first quarter. And granted, it did a bit quicker than what we anticipated, given the hawkish move by the Fed and the shift in sentiment. And that's why we you know, titled the Fizz Turning the Page. Um, but, you know, so we, we broke, broke that 2%, which we expected. Now, obviously, when we look at what, what occurred yesterday and overnight, a lot of this pullback is, is for a few reasons. One is that we've moved up very quickly in a short period of time. So it's, so it's expected to have a little bit of retracement. Number two, as we know, the, the Treasury market is not isolated from what happens in the equity market. And we know that the geopolitical risk has put some pressures on equity and oh, the overall sentiment in terms of, 
you know, short-term volatility has moved sort of this flight to safety, which is why we moved down in Treasury yields. But when it comes to sort of like our growth outlook, <clears throat> we're still expecting a you know, real GDP at the end of the year to be 3.5%. That's almost double the trend of 1.75 that we've seen. So we've got – we still have very strong growth, but you're going to have these pockets of pullback. Now, overall, our expectation is that you're going to go above that 2% again. You might even go to 225 and 230 during the first half. And more than likely, that'll happen around the March meeting, because I think what, what, what investors have a tendency to forget is that the Fed is still buying. Even though they're going to stay, they've stopped this tapering, they're going to stop in mid-March, right now they're still buying treasuries. And right now they're still buying mortgage-backed securities. And that's not going to end for another month. So when that ends and when we go around that March meeting, I think you might have a little bit of anxiety in terms of what the Fed is going to do, a little bit of anxiety in terms of what that dot plot might look like, a little bit of anxiety in terms of what QT or that quantitative tightening or that balance sheet unwind might actually play out in terms of having supply come into the marketplace. So we do think that you know we're going to have this treasury yield have the potential to go above that 225. Plus, not to mention, our outlook for growth in 2022 is still very strong. Leslie, within the Fizz, you do spend some time within outlining the continued, keyword continued, challenges that fixed income investors are up against here in 2022. So maybe as a refresher, Leslie, can you speak to some risk considerations that fixed income investors need to be mindful of? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think as I mentioned earlier, um, you know, people have a tendency to view rising rates with a strengthening economy, Therefore, credit will do very well because the economy is doing better. And again, a lot of the times that is true, but it always depends on your starting point. And as we know, given all this accommodation that we've had, you know, from March of 2020, whether it's fiscal or monetary or, or global central bank accommodation, you know, it's, it's been we've, we've had a very much compression spreads as investors do the search for yield. Now, we've had a correction within the fixed income markets, actually, not, but nothing that is overly dramatic or a point of concern. There's nothing that within the fixed income market in terms of widening spreads that is showing any kind of red flag in terms of the fundamentals of corporate balance sheets or the household that we have to step back and, you know, and say, wait a minute, is there something that we're not, we're missing here? And it is, it's a simple, it's a simple correction that actually should be viewed as an opportunity. And not only that, when we think about how yield spreads have widened and treasury yields have gone up, Right, those are two headwinds to the performance of fixed income investments, and we've seen it um, this this year in our blogs and in our reports. We've written how you know some of these sectors, such as IG corporates, have had like the worst start to a year that they've ever had. But with that said, it also is a point of opportunity where it gives the investor the ability to to buy an asset, earn a higher yield, compound that yield, and over a long term have a better total return. But with that said. There's no question that volatility, particularly up until that March meeting, is going to be high. And you, and you can't have a short, a very short-term outlook. You have to look at the long-term and, and the fact that we believe that growth in the long-term remains well above trend. Leslie, when it comes to approaching a fixed-income portfolio in the current environment, and I'll preface it by saying we'll touch on allocation more specifically in a moment, though, uh, this is worth pointing out. Within the Fizz, you do spend some time talking about a barbell strategy. So can you expand on the thinking behind that approach? Yeah, I mean, we like to, we prefer taking our, you know, I want a credit risk, if you will, in quotes, in the short end. We're taking it, as people know, in, this, in senior loans. And granted, we've had this sector, um, preferred sector allocation on for quite some time. We've had it since, you know, the spring of 2020 because we had gotten bearish on in, in interest rates a little bit early. 
Not to mention the fact that during that time, floating rate assets, which senior loans are obviously underperformed, given the 2020 dramatic decline in interest rates. So we still have that in terms of our core credit carry allocation. However, when we move to these 2% levels in 10-year treasury yields, these or even these 195s, we're really starting to normalize in terms of interest rates. And we are not of the belief, at least right now, that we get back to those three and a quarter 10-year yield levels that we saw in, in 2018. So given the fact that we're normalizing, it's not a bad time to start adding to a little bit in terms of that back end, that sort of whether it's within, well, I know we'll talk about this, whether it's a preferred or whatever it might be that gives a little bit more duration, you know, in terms of that back end or that nine, eight, nine-ish area that just offers a little bit more protection in case we have, you know, downturns in the equity market, in case we have, you know, a slower growth projection that we're not anticipating. And now that we are at these, you know, over 2% yields and we've seen them, when you, particularly when you get to that 215, 220 level, it's in 10 year yield, you know, it's a great time to have actually have that protection. And not only that, you're also earning a decent amount of incremental yield by doing so. Thank you, Leslie. So maybe we can circle back more specifically on allocation. What can you share with us there that's new within the FIS this month? As I mentioned, you know, we've had a very strong preference for senior loans. We continue to have a strong preference for senior loans, but from an allocation perspective, it's been one of our biggest sort of, you know, quote, positions, if you will. I mean, it's, it's something that we felt very strongly in. You know, we felt after such a large underperformance during the COVID shutdown, you know, and given that we've gotten in so early, um, the performance has done so well that we've just taken a little bit off that senior loan allocation and put it back into what we call the longer end treasury. And we're doing that again, as I mentioned earlier, as a place to kind of normalize given the fact that interest rates have risen. The second allocation that we've done is that, you know, we, we, we were, you know, had a preferred allocation to CMBS. We still like CMBS um, as an overall portfolio diversification. We think CMBS will be fine. But given the fact we've had this overweight or uh, preferred allocation to CMBS versus IG corporates, we shifted CMBS because it's done so well and put it into preferred securities. And the reason why we went to preferred is that, as we all know, during times of volatility, and as, and as we've seen this year, when you move from 1.5 to 2.06 tenure yield in a matter of weeks, sectors that have what we call duration drift, meaning the duration can move, don't perform well. Preferred mortgage-backed securities are two of the key um, sectors that we're referring to. And this is all often referred to what we call negative convexity. So when we have this kind of big news, preferred extend, right? So the duration moves out. Now, as an investor, the last thing you want is to take on more interest rate risk when you're arriving, right? You don't want that to happen for your security. So it forces the security to have some really short-term underperformance. When you combine that with like uh, lack of retail interest and you know supply, Preferreds have actually, you know, underperformed, you know, the past six weeks in, in a fairly dramatic way. Because of that underperformance and because we don't believe that the same type of momentum in interest rates is going to keep rising with the same 40 basis point clip throughout the entire year, and we're almost at what we believe the ceiling in interest rates, that it's a good time to take on those sectors that have underperformed as the market stabilizes particularly with preferreds because it's between high yield and IG in terms of credit rating, and you're earning an incredible amount of carry. So that's one of the allocations that we did that we really think has the ability to outperform you know, throughout the year. Again, I expect some short-term volatility from now into March. There's no question. But by the end of the, over the over longer term, over the next six months, we think the asset class will perform well. 
Leslie, thank you for helping us to manage expectations when it comes to the kind of volatility we can see in the markets over the next few months and for updating us on your guidance when it comes to allocation. Again, I will point our listeners, our clients too, Leslie's Fixed Income Strategist publication, Turning the Page, again up on UBS.com forward slash CIO to read further into what Leslie has shared with us. So, Leslie, before we close out our conversation for today, maybe we can turn to the week ahead. Uh, what will be taking place, Leslie? that you'll be keeping an eye on? Well, I mean, we have a short week next week, right? We have Monday, that's, that's a holiday. But when we look at this next week, and this is probably not going to be a surprise to you or any of our listeners, it's all about inflation. So when we look at things like the PCE or University of Michigan Center and all of this, all these inflation sort of indicators, particularly before the March meeting, are going to be really the drivers. And as we know, we've kind of gone back and forth with whether it's a Bullard comment or a little bit more dovish with the Fed minutes, the market is now kind of grappling with the March. Will they go 50 basis points? Will they not go 50 basis points? And I think a lot of this inflation numbers prior to that March Fed meeting are really going to be um, a leading indicator and are really going to be strong in terms of how the market reacts. Well, Leslie, it does sound like an eventful week ahead, despite it being a shortened week. I know Monday, as you mentioned, markets are closed in observance for President's Day. So with that in mind, I wish you a nice holiday weekend, Leslie, and thank you for dropping by top of the morning today, sharing with us your current thinking on fixed income. Appreciate it. Thank you, Dan. Have a great weekend. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at UBS.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO disclaimer. 